welcome to your Friday Breakfast podcast with Capitalize. As you know by now, and if you don't, wherever you've been, I'm Alex, Head of Revenue for South Africa, and I'm joined by our very own Kirsty McGregor, founder of the Corporate Finance Network. Good morning, Kirsty. How are you? Hello, Alex. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Just getting ready to go out. We're at Thursday evening day when we record. It's the Yorkshire Academy Awards tonight, and we've got quite a few of our partners are up for awards, so it should be really exciting. It is going to be a good evening. It is going to be a good evening. And by the time this goes out tomorrow, I'm sure there'll be lots of our listeners with big smiles on their face having come away with um, whatever the award is for the good. night. But um, this week, we're back with another three news stories. As part of our new fortnightly schedule, we had an interview with uh, Glenn Foster of Libio and formerly Zero last week. Without a shadow of a doubt, one of the best podcasts I think we've released. Um, so, Kirsty, I'm going to kick it over to you to begin with. But what did you enjoy most about our conversation with Glenn? Um, well, it's the first time I've met Glenn, actually. So I really was fascinated with his whole um, background and history of Zero. Um, you know, I'm in the corporate finance world, so I didn't really get very involved with cloud accounting until more recently. He's got fantastic experience, hasn't he? And it was just great to pick his brains because he was there at it the really outset. Does. He has the, you know, he was there at the beginning, one of the first in the cloud market in in the accounting profession in the UK, and um, and then of course he's followed the growth ever since. Um, and it was so insightful that um, I was. Uh, driven to write about it so I've also now written a blog on it because what I wanted to try and capture um, in an easy to digest format for everybody was the lessons he'd learned and how the most successful digital firms managed it you know how have they really been able to adopt cloud accounting so well in their practices and you know there's just a few tips on there and hopefully it'll make really great reading and we will put the link in the show notes uh, and mm. why not why not learn from the experts eh? yeah I, I think so and do you know what I was going to say there you're talking about the amount of experience he's got I think from a vendor perspective I would consider myself to be relatively long in the tooth I mean I've been in this industry for over eight years now but actually what you forget is that when you look at products like Zero and MYOB and you know the other guys that really started the transition there was five six seven years worth of um, change management that happened before it gave rise to the other software vendors that came in and so Glenn I think you know really is you know one of the most experienced and knowledgeable people in this space and I think um, he gave some incredibly poignant insights throughout the whole interview through um, you know looking back through the window of his time at zero looking back through the kind of journey that he's been on with a lot of the accountants and the evolution of the sales narrative but also and I think really excitingly looking forwards into the future and what the opportunities are for accountants. And that's the mm -hmm. bit that really excites me. And I think, you know, he talked really nicely about how companies like Libio can help diversify the value that accountants bring to their clients. And really that's what we are all here for in the market is broadening the range of services you can drive. But I don't want to give away too much from the podcast. If you haven't listened yet, um, then as we've both recommended now, please do go and give it a listen. Focusing back on this week, um, and looking at what's happened over the last two weeks, Kirsty, um, let's kick on over to your first story. And it's one that's really kind of um, um, bringing headlines out uh, as, you know, over the last week or so as well. Yeah, across the whole world, actually. So um, it is, of course, the story of the interest rate rises. And um, I first was looking at this earlier in the week when the Fed in the States raised their rates by half a percent, which is the largest raise they've ever done in 20 years. Um, but I found it quite interesting, and I'll put a link to a Yahoo article on here, 
that um, the markets reacted well to this half a percent increase because they'd already factored in a 0.75% increase. So they were pleasantly surprised. So that just shows you what the uh, market's expectations are. And similarly, India have raised their rates for the first time in two years uh, that came out. And also then um, in the UK today, the Bank of England have increased their rates. And again, only by 0.25%, up to 1% now, which is the highest rate since 2009, because we've been at such low rates for so many years. But again, I fully expected that to go up by half a percent today. Um, so I was quite surprised they only took it up by 025 but I know that, um, you know, the OBR has suggested that if wages keep increasing, then UK interest rates could reach three and a half percent. The Chancellor um, intimates that he, he's expecting rates to be a lot higher by the end of the year. So I think this it's going to be 0.25 maybe every time they um, they meet. And I think they will be meeting quite often now to, mm. to discuss these. Um, it's and, and of course, it impacts then on currency markets and the great British pound um, crashed this week against the dollar um, as um, businesses now are starting to have to look at their currency requirements and taking some decisions and deciding whether to hedge and so on. So, it, you know, it has such wide ranging implications, doesn't it? Um, and of course, yeah. you're in a different different position in South Africa with interest rates are a lot higher, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 it's just a completely different ballgame over here, really. And But I think we're also far more used to higher rates and, and kind of you know, everyday operations are consistent on there. I think actually, um, you know, the uh, pound to the GBP to ZAR rate has actually gone back above 20 for the first time this week. We've been down in the kind of low 19s, high 18s for a while. So there's two sides to every coin. And I think, yeah, um, yeah it's it's a very, very uncertain um, world out there and obviously it has implications for borrowing um, but we all know you know obviously raising those costs um, is designed to help make things better in the future um, but I was reading in the same article that there's obviously quite a, a drastic change to the growth forecasts for next year um, and whilst we're not technically you know going to be into a recession you know, they are forecasting negative growth over multiple quadrants of the year aren't they? They are, yeah. And and I think, you know, this is where we say to businesses, isn't it, to be prepared and look ahead and um, don't just be reactive, you know, and accountants to, to have those conversations with their clients. And, um, you know, I'm writing a whole load of content and support for, for accountants at the moment around how to have these discussions with clients, because I think they really need that um you know, those resources and the way to have these conversations and possible solutions and, and take action sooner rather than later, because we'll be, we may be looking back on this at 1% interest rate um, in 18 months time thinking, wow, we should have we should have got borrowing in at 1% uh, when it was, you know, such low. Yeah. Rate. So take action soon, I say. And, and I think I hope I really do hope and I'm sure many, many business owners and accountants and advisors, more importantly, are better positioned today to have those strategic forward-looking conversations than they were 24 months ago when the pandemic came in for the very first time. Yeah. Because actually at that point in time, that was the, the moment when a lot of firms had to pivot and had to change services, had to change the support and the connection they were building with their clients. And so they've had you know one iteration's worth of, of attempts at this. And so the second time around, it's about looking at what we did before. Was it effective? Was it ineffective? How do we make it a little bit better? How do we slightly improve it? so that we're continuing to also develop our own services. But I think it's definitely going to go through a period now of change and of the need to be prepared and the need to look and think about how one can pivot. And that actually really nicely leads us on to our second story, 
um, mm. which is a slightly different type of pivoting, but quite an interesting evolution of services and awareness, Kirsty. Yeah, I thought this was was quite interesting. And again, you know, maybe if currency, you're sick of the currencies in the uh, in the world, then maybe you just go for crypto because uh, it, it is no doubt growing and growing. And this I found quite interesting. It's a City AM article um, about Grant Thornton, um, who have formed an alliance with um, some barristers and uh, uh, lawyers, both in the UK and overseas in, in the States, where they're looking to um, become a, a crypto recovery service. So this is where uh, there's been a crime and crypto has been stolen. Then Grant Thornton, along with these um, other professionals, are going to be looking to, um, I suppose, be the police of the crypto world. I don't know. It's fascinating that an accountancy firm is... I like is that analogy. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I'm just like quite excited to see where this goes. But also that led me on to think about where is crypto going next? And when are we going to get um, you know, borrowing in cryptocurrencies? And I think that'll be coming quite soon. And also M&A deals, you know, we're going to look at mergers and acquisitions that are structured around crypto rather than other currencies or paper transactions. Um, and I was looking at the uh, an article in Bloomberg as well that um Argentina, which is in quite a different economic position to, to most uh, Western countries, um, that Argentinian banks are now selling crypto to customers that want to access it. And they don't want to mine it themselves. They don't want to have their own wallet and so on. They want to just be able to go and buy ready-made crypto. So uh, I thought that was quite interesting that two banks in mm. Argentina are now starting to sell it. I mean, it's just moving on, isn't it? I don't think it's something we can ignore. No, def definitely not. I actually, and I'm going to totally butcher this um, uh, an, uh, example. So I'm, to my friend Uri, I apologize. But he was, and he's a big crypto investor, et cetera, et cetera. But he was talking about the adoption of the World Wide Web, you know, back yeah. when it was first launched. Was hey, a, I remember that, Alex. You're fast. Well, it's <laughs> around, you know, at the similar point of adoption we've got in crypto right now in terms of users. Yeah. People were still talking about the World Wide Web as being something that was never going to work, was going to be a complete flop and yeah. was a complete dud. And look where we are now with, with, with the internet. And I think, you know, a lot of people are saying the same thing about crypto. So we're at that point of, you know, a potential divergence. And I think, you know, you're talking about when people are going to start borrowing and lending perhaps with crypto. There's actually a US company. And it's funny that you talked about that because as part of my prep on the back of that article, I'd, I'd come across this on the web and went and refound the article and reread it. But there is a US um, company called Milo that is now starting to offer crypto mortgages. Wow. Um, where you can actually put cryptocurrency up um, as a security against the, the mortgage. It's 100%. So if you wanted to borrow half a million dollars, you'd need to put half a million dollars worth of crypto against it. But I just thought that was really interesting. And that was started by a guy, I think, that left the city and had all of his assets at that point in time in crypto and couldn't go and get a mortgage. So an interesting journey. And you've also got other countries like the Central African Republic and El Salvador that have made cryptocurrency an official um, an official yes. currency. Now, yeah. I I think, you know, let's make of the motives whatever you, whatever you want. I think there's probably some more nefarious um, reasons behind that. But I think what I was going to say around that topic is that with a more wide-ranging adoption of cryptocurrency, what Grant Thornton are doing in becoming the crypto police, I feel like there's definitely a, a, a meme or a song that can come out about <laughs> that. But, you know, they're, they're, with more wide-ranging adoption, the need to monitor and track and tackle crime in these domains is going to become more and more salient. So it's a it's a first mover piece, isn't it, right? It's certainly yeah. something that they're looking ahead and whether they're going to get the returns on that now, perhaps not. 
Um, but it's certainly something if they can establish some credibility in that space, it's going to stand them in good stead in the future. Yeah, which brings me nicely onto my third story, actually, which is about the haulage industry. Um, but it's also I just wanted to talk about specialising accountancy firms specialising in certain sectors or certain products, as Grant Thornton there were looking to do. But uh, this was um, an article I read in the Eastern Daily Press, which is the largest regional newspaper in East Anglia. Um, and one of the largest in the country, actually. It's very, it's got a good readership. And um, Price Bailey, who were based in Norwich, um, have written an article around uh, the credit scores, which we're very interested in um, at Capitalise, but the credit scores of haulage, um, hauliers, um, and the fact that the haulage industry is suffering hugely because of increased wage costs, um, increased fuel costs, lack of drivers, problems with supply chains and, and the ports and, and so on. Um, and it, it just, of course, you know, if, not surprisingly, um, the credit scores are showing that nearly a third of hauliers are at risk of financial collapse and their credit score has got um, noticeably worse in the past 12 months. And I expect that that will probably continue. Mm. But besides just concerning ourselves around that sector, there'll be other sectors that are in similar positions. And I just love this article that Price Bailey are focusing in on one sector. And I've said this to accountants over many years, that if they can specialise in certain sectors, they can really understand the market better and are in a better place then to advise on possible solutions and even you know, compare across companies how, how different businesses are tackling things. Yeah. Um, and, and it just, it really makes a lot of sense. Most general practice practitioners are generalists as the name suggests um, but actually those firms that have chosen to specialize in certain sectors some of some of firms that we know very well um, have uh, for example map have specialized in the digital sector and they are becoming renowned now for understanding everything about that sector and they are attracting clients from across the whole country um, and, it, and it just takes you into a different a different league so I just think it's one worth a lot of accountants focusing in a little bit more on where they do already have some sort of specialism really making the most of that because I think that's going to just pay dividends mm. over the next over the next few years yeah I think there's um there's certainly value isn't there in this kind of benchmarking piece of actually yeah. if I have set if I have clients in the same sector how are they measuring up against themselves how can yeah. I understand how they're measuring up against the rest of their peers I'm a big believer to, to a certain degree in the kind of specialization, because I think the more you understand about a sector or an industry, the more you can advise and give guidance on it. I always think it comes with a slight cautionary tale, as we've seen a lot of firms through the last 24 months that did really over-specialize yeah. and then got completely wiped out, right? Because they had only hospitality clients or yeah. something. So there's a, yeah, there is a balance. You have risk. to have like, there's a specialization requirement, I think, because that's what's really going to allow you to operate at the top of the field, exactly in the example you've given, Kirsty. Um, but I really think, you know, again, as we're looking forward, and this one was specifically talking about the impact of Paulia's and lockdown and uh, in Shanghai and then potential for them going out of the business, right? And I think yeah. this really doubles down on some of the advice you gave a couple of weeks ago on our Friday breakfast around um, uh, just-in-time stock purchasing and thinking mm -hmm. about what the potential implications and ramifications are of you know Chinese lockdown and I think it just comes back to this point for a lot of firms a lot of accounting firms how do you really start thinking about the strategy and advice you're working with your clients on to make sure that they have a plan for how they get through it and get out of it and potentially even look at how they you know look at pivoting on their service offering mm -hmm. um, 
if they're in a quite a specific sector, it might be difficult. I think a haulage, you know, company might only have one or two options, but there are lots of brilliant examples about companies that have have, have really pivoted. You know, one of my favorites here in South Africa is a company called Feldskuren, who make uh, boots, desert boots, but it's a particular type of boot for, us, uh, for South Africans. Um, and throughout the pandemic, they actually used their designers and created a, a creative agency. And they repurposed the graphic designers and stuff within their business Brilliant. to offer a, a creative agency, which is still going strong today, which is, mm. you know, it's, it's a really great example. But uh, certainly some food for thought there. Um, and it actually ties in quite nicely with a webinar that we're running with the ACCA on the 17th of May, which is all around sustainable, uh, sustainable finance um, and how clients are aiming to transition to net zero. Uh, which will be something that affects hauliers as well as a lot of other sectors. So if you want to jump on that webinar, we are going to put the sign up link for that webinar in the show notes. So make sure when you click on the webinar, um, you go and read the show notes, click on that link and um, make sure you sign up for that because it is going to be, a um, again, a really informative, educative um, webinar that we're running with the ACCA. And now you've had your three, Kirsty, and as is tradition, it's time for my one. Um, and this week, I'm actually going to talk about, and I'm going to take a very different tangent. I think these segments are becoming more and more random, but I can't enjoy the 15 or 20 minutes worth of searching I do before. But I'm going to take a little tangent today and talk about this great BBC News article that I read, um, which talks all about why soil is one of the most underrated and little understood aspects on earth. And so I'm going to give you a couple of cool and interesting facts um, about soil this week. And if anybody would like to go and watch this five minute video that the BBC did on it, I think it's well worth a watch and there's significantly more value in the video than I'm going to retain today. But a few cool things to know is it's estimated that in a single gram of soil, there could be as many as 50,000 species of microscopic organisms. Now, what that means is that if you take one teaspoon of soil, there are more microscopic organisms than in that teaspoon than people on earth. So it's a cool little fact for you. Um, and I think, uh, you know, another kind of interesting thing that comes alongside that is that actually uh, Darwin believed that the humble earthworm was one of the most important species on earth, simply because of the role that they took in creating and sustaining soil. Um, and that obviously drives the whole interconnected ecosystem that exists beneath our feet and the many thousands of symbiotic relationships there as well. From the medicine that we use um, to, to cure us when we're feeling sick, as you might be able to hear now, I'm a little bit under the weather myself, hence the slightly sniffly um, approach to my speaking today, but also the key role they play in, in, in helping to grow almost all of the food that we consume on a day-to-day -day basis. And as a final twist, on that particular story before we wrap up today's podcast. Um, I always like to put a slightly South African twist on there, but the oldest soil in the world is thought to be here in South Africa, dating back 3 billion years. Versus the UK soil is only a mere 15,000 um, years old, formed after the last ice age. So Kirsty, slightly different tangent today. You never know what you're gonna get. It's why I never tell you what I'm gonna talk about in my story. Um, never, good job I never asked really isn't it <laughs> it really is but for everyone listening there's your fun fact for the week I think if you come here just for the fun facts as one of the news then you're going to get a good um a good filling every single Friday I am morning. going to attempt to weave that into the dinner table conversation tonight at the awards <laughs> dinner and just see what response I get who knew all these well, useful things you can learn on this podcast Exactly. And actually, it was inspired by Iona, who is one of our recent joiners that in her This Is Me speech a couple of weeks ago talked about her passion for ants. Yeah. Um, so as soon as I found that story, I uh, thought it was one to double down on. But we digress. So 
Here's a reminder for those of you that are new to the podcast and new to Capitalize. Our vision is to give small businesses and their advisors transparency and control over business finance. We want every small business to be able to identify risks that they might face, explore how they stand from a credit perspective and choose the right funding that fits their business. Don't forget, if you haven't already, to subscribe to our podcast. And of course, please do leave a review and rate us. Next Friday, um, we will also be releasing our latest interview podcast with Gareth Winters of CABA, the ICAEW's charity to support members and past members to overcome physical, mental, legal and career challenges. And given that it's Mental Health Awareness Week next week, we'll be exploring how all of us can protect our own and our team's mental health resilience. That was a very, very long paragraph on what is an incredibly, incredibly salient and pertinent um, topic. And I think everybody in their own way over the last week, month, 12 months, 24 months has experienced some form of physical or mental hardship as we've been through kind of some of the toughest times, certainly of our generation. So tune in um, next week to listen to how Gareth and the team at CABA um, are trying to handle and deal with that from the um, accounting perspective. Um, and also, of course, don't forget, we have a fantastic backlog of interviews that you can um, tune in and listen to as well. I'd certainly recommend starting the one that we've spoken about already um, with Glenn from Libya. But for more about the Future Positive podcast and Capitalize as a whole, please do check us out on our website at www.capitalize.com. And once again, thank you for listening today. I hope you found it interesting. I hope you find it useful as always. And we'll be back again for this type of podcast in two weeks where we'll talk about more on the business stories. Next week, don't forget, we've got a ripper with Gareth. So please do tune in and just take a moment at any point next week to think about your own mental health and that of your teams as well. Kirsty, thank you very much. Thank you, Alan.